I think we can all agree that there were a lot of things that we did not like that came out of the pandemic that the coronavirus brought. I think we can all agree that there were some things that, that we just hated because of that. One of the things that I, I absolutely hated was how we had to watch sports without any fans in the arena. I hated that. I just hated that. You're just watching sports, but there's nobody in the arena. Because the reaction of the fans, it adds so much more to the sport that's being played. There's no one there to scream and cheer when, when the team makes a good play. There's no one there to boo at the refs and call the refs name when they make a bad call. And I just hated that. The reaction that the fans bring to the game, it's so much a part of that. You know, as we look through, through the life of Jesus and the teaching, the miracles that we did, we read a lot about the crowd's reaction to what he did. And I would have loved to just be in those crowds, to hear their reactions to the things that he was saying, to the things that we, he was doing. But one of the crowds that I would have loved to be in was when Jesus ascended on the Mount of Olives. Do you imagine what that was like, being in that crowd, watching Jesus be high and lifted up, ascend into heaven? We're told in Acts chapter 1, verse 10, we're told that the apostles are just left there, gazing into heaven. And you can just imagine them gazing into heaven with their jaw dropped. You imagine just what that moment brought, the confidence that they, that brought from them after that. You read of their boldness, of how they're confident in the face of pressure and preaching. And a lot of that had to do because they watched Jesus ascend into heaven. And that moment brought a confidence, a hope for them. When we read the letter of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews uses the ascension of Jesus. Jesus ascending into heaven, and he uses it as a way of giving his audience some confidence, a way of giving them hope. But he also uses Jesus ascending as a way of talking of the high priestly ministry that Jesus has as well. I want to invite you to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. The Hebrew writer is writing to these Jewish Christians. These Christians that have left the way of Judaism and they have become to follow Christ. But it's not easy for them. It is not easy for them at all. They are facing constant pressure from everywhere they turn to. They're facing pressure from the government, persecuting them. But not only that, they're facing pressure from their own family. They've just left Judaism. They've left the Jewish lifestyle. And in a way, they've turned their back on their family, the way that their family has lived. And so they face pressure from that as well. They face pressure just in, in their community. Going into the market, it's hard for them to, to even buy stuff because they've left the Jewish lifestyle. But then you just add the, the normal storms of life onto all of that. The things that life brings, the hardships... These Christians are going through it. They need some confidence. They, they need some hope. And so the writer of Hebrews is trying to show them that what they have in Jesus, what they have in Christ, is far better than what the old life had, had to offer. 
The writer believes that, that Jesus' high priestly ministry is so, if we understand it correctly, and if we believe it, it will be an anchor for us, an anchor of hope in the storms of life. This morning, I want us to see the priesthood and the humanity of Jesus. And my prayer for us is that when we see this, it brings us a type of throne room confidence and a hope that we have throughout our, of the storms of life. I invite you to join me in Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 14. The Hebrew writer says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. He calls Jesus our great high priest. And I think today, as we sit here today, we can often misunderstand the concept of priest. We think of it just as another denomination. When I was in Israel, we were in Jerusalem, and we went to, to the church of the Holy Sepulchre. And that's where they believed that they had the spot where Jesus died, and they had the tomb as well. And there were many different denominations in this one building. And there were many priests. You had the Catholic priest. You had the Greek, or, Greek Orthodox priest. And our tour guide mentioned, he said, man, I, I love coming here with tour groups, especially Catholics and Greek Orthodox, because I can just leave them here, and they'll stay in line for seven, eight hours just to see a priest. Because I can just drop them off, and I can just go do my thing, come back, and they're still in line. He said, I love bringing groups here. But I think that that's the concept we think of when we think of a priest. It's those other denominations. But that's not what would have come to mind in the, the mind of the audience that the Hebrew writer is writing to. The priest was somebody that, that God had set apart from the rest of the Israelites. They came from a specific tribe from the Levites. They were understood as the Levitical priesthood. And there, were, there was a multitude of priests, but there was a high priest. The high priest was greater than the multitude. And this priesthood, in God's mind, fulfilled a need that the Israelites had. You see, the priest is the person through whom and through whose ministry people draw near to God. We have a need to draw near to God, to come close to God. And that's necessary throughout the storms of life, throughout the sorrow that we face, the discouragement. But drawing near to God is also needed when we need forgiveness, forgiveness for our sins. Humanity is sinful. We are all sinful. And without a mediator standing between us and God, we cannot draw near to God. We are sinful. And without that, that person standing in between us and God, we cannot be close to God. There is a wall of separation between us and God because of our sin. And so we need somebody to stand in the middle of that and remove that wall. And for the, the Israelites, that was the high priest. The high priest was somebody who made atonement for their sins removed that wall, and he would have to go through into the Holy of Holies in the temple, the most holy place, and he would have to make atonement for their sins once a year. He did this once every year. Jesus is called our great high priest. 
which means that the Hebrew writer is trying to put him higher than the high priest of the Levitical priesthood. He is greater than that. I want to read, well, I'll read that here in a minute. He says, Jesus passed through the heavens and entered into the very presence of God. He went to the very throne room of God and he made atonement for us, bringing us into God's presence. And he did that through his ascension. He says, Jesus passed through the heavens. You know, I think we can often overlook the ascension of Jesus, Jesus ascending. We talk about the gospel and we, we focus on the death, the burial, and the resurrection. But how much do we focus on him ascending into heaven? Because to me, that is the most important part of the gospel. Colossians 3 tells us that he is right there. He ascended to the right hand of God, to God's very presence. And there he made atonement for us, removing that wall of separation from us and God. And now we, you and I, are able to draw near to God, be in the very presence that God has. That was something that they could not have under the Levitical priesthood. That was something that, that was not possible. They could not be near to God like you and I are. The priest had to go once every year. Jesus made one sacrifice for all time. And the Hebrew writer says, because of this, we can hold fast to our confession. He's writing to people who are struggling. They're Jews that have come out of that Jewish lifestyle. They're facing opposition and they're discouraged, sorrowful. And life has them on their knees. And he says, because of the priesthood of Jesus, hold on to what you have. Hold on to what is yours. He'll say later in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, talking about the priesthood of Jesus. He says, we have this. As a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters the, into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We have this as a hope, a sure anchor for the soul, an anchor in the storms of life. Jesus made a one-time sacrifice for our sins, and he ascended into the heavenly places, and he went into the very presence of God, and he invites us into that as well. This is the anchor that we have. But the Hebrew writer does not stop there. He goes on in verse 15, and he says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus is our high priest. He ascended. But Jesus is also somebody who understands what we go through. He understands what we've been through. Jesus understands. He knows exactly how we feel because he's been exactly where we've been. You know, during the grieving process, when people are grieving, the number one thing that they tell you not to tell them is to say, I know how you feel, or I know where you've been. Because the reality is, you really don't know how they feel. You really don't know where they are. Yeah, you, you might have lost somebody like they have. Let's say somebody's lost a father. You've lost a father. You may know a little bit of how they feel. 
But you don't know exactly how they feel. Because two different people with two different fathers, they would have had a different relationship. They would have meant more, meant less. You don't know exactly how they feel. And so the more appropriate thing to say is, I don't know exactly how you're feeling, but I I know a little bit of how you feel. But when we look at Jesus, he can say, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly where you are because he's been where we are. He's gone through the things that we've gone through. He's been through this life, going through the temptations, going through the sorrow. He was face to face with Satan for 40 days. He wept at the tomb of Lazarus. He knows exactly what we go through. He knows exactly what we feel because he's been exactly where we are. The Hebrew writer said earlier in Hebrews chapter 4, he said, therefore, in Hebrews chapter 2, sorry, Hebrews 2 verse 17, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted as well. I want to highlight that last part. It's Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. Because he himself was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted as well. The word for help there in Hebrews 2.18, it also means to run to the cry. And so because Jesus went through this life, because Jesus walked through what we go through, he is able to run to our cries when we face temptation. He is able to run to our cries when we face sorrow. Jesus knows exactly how we feel because he's been exactly where we've been. That is why he is our high priest. That is why he is someone who has brought us into the very presence of God. Join me back in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. So because of this, because of Jesus passing through the heavens, being our high priest, because of Jesus knowing exactly how we feel, Hebrew writer will then say in verse 16, Let us then with confidence... Draw near to the throne of grace, that we may find mercy and grace in the time of need. Jesus provides us direct access to the very throne room of God. I want you to think about, that is not something that the Jews had. They, they, the high priest could enter into the very presence of God, but he can only do it for so long. And he had a rope tied around his back just in case he did something wrong and died right there and they could pull him out. When they were in the presence of God, they were filled with fear. They were filled with, with trembling because they, there's God and they, they are sinful and he could strike them dead at any moment. He could judge them. He could condemn them. So the presence of God brought fear for them. But when you and I are in the presence of God, it doesn't bring fear. The Hebrew writer says the throne of God, the presence of God, brings mercy and grace for us in our time of need. Mercy and grace. That mercy is for our past failures. The the failures that we have in the past, but that grace is for the present. The present future, the present failures and the future failures that we have. 
God's presence brings us mercy and grace. The high, priest, the high priesthood of Jesus allows us to do two things. We saw it in verse 14 and we see it in verse 16. The high priesthood of Jesus allows us to hold fast to our confession and it allows us to draw near to God's throne. It allows us to hold fast to, to our confession. It allows us to hold on to what we have. Not just hold on, but hold on with confidence. Hold on with hope as we go out through the storms of our life. And it allows us to enter into the very throne room, throne room of God. To be in His presence. To tell Him how we feel, what we're going through. And He understands exactly what we go through. This is the hope and the confidence that the Hebrew writer is trying to instill in his, in his audience. The Jews believed that God was so far apart from humanity that he didn't understand what they went through. He didn't understand the sorrows and the sufferings of life. But when Jesus steps onto the scene, he introduces this concept of God being our Father. Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he, he calls God our Father several times. God is our Father. And so that was a concept that was so foreign to their minds at the time. Because God was so separated from Him. When you and I pray, when you and I sit down, we are in the very presence of God. We are in the very throne room of God. And His presence doesn't bring judgment it doesn't bring condemnation it doesn't bring fear and we're not supposed to have fear when we stand in our in his presence when we're in his presence we are in the presence of a father who loves us who cares for us who has been where we are who understands what we go through because he's been through it and he wants to have a relationship with his children that is something that the jews didn't have that is something that the Israelites didn't have. And that is supposed to give us confidence. Confidence knowing that we're not speaking to a God that's distant from us. Confidence in knowing that we're speaking to a father who cares for his children and loves his children. So Jesus came to this earth. He died. He was buried and he rose from the grave three days later. And 40 days after that, the most important part of the gospel was that he ascended into heaven. And the Hebrew writer calls him our great high priest who passed through the heavens. And he entered into the very throne room of God and removed any separation that stands between us and God. He is a high priest who is not unable to sympathize with us. He has sympathy for us. He knows where we've been he knows how we feel and he invites us into the throne room to give us confidence it is in that throne room where we find mercy and grace in our time of need for these jewish christians this was a life that was way better than the one that they had it was a life worth holding on to that is the cry that the hebrew writer gives out to them Hold on to what you have because it is far better than what you had. And that is the cry that you and I have today. Hold on to what we have because it is far better than anything that this world can offer. 
What we have in Jesus is far better than anything that we can find in this world. And that is a reason to hold on to what we have and not go anywhere else. This is the hope that we have and the confidence that is the anchor for us in the storms of life. This morning, if you have any need, if you need to enter into that presence of God, know that Jesus has removed that separation for us. And he invites us into that. That is my invitation for you. Please come as we stand and as we sing.